Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul White. It's the fifth day of September, and we are in Mark chapter 15. Today, we explore verse 23. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do one verse at a time through this journey, but the time of the crucifixion has so many important details for us to consider that it just seems wrong to just cram five, six, seven verses in at a time. If it takes a whole podcast on one or more than one podcast, so be it, right? I mean, we get to dig in. Uh, where else in life do you... I mean, we're just talking six, seven, eight minutes a day, but where else do we square away that kind of time uh, that and just focus on those little bitty things? Sometimes our sermons are so principle-centric, you know, about how to live your life and what to do in this situation. We miss these little things. And I'm, I, for one, I'm a big fan of Bible study. I think believers would, would be better off if they studied the Word. I'm not a disciple of the Bible, but inside of its pages I see pictures of Jesus, and I'm infatuated with Jesus, so I want to know what He did on my behalf. That's why we slow down and take our time. Let's do that with verse 23. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. When Matthew tells this, he tells it very similar in that he said he also says he did not take it. So both Matthew and Mark want to make sure you realize that on his way to the cross, Jesus is offered wine that he doesn't drink. Wine mingled with myrrh. Now, when you get to verse 36 of this same chapter, Jesus is already on the cross and someone runs, fills a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink saying, let him alone, let's see if Elijah will come to take him down. Mark doesn't say whether or not he drank it. He just leaves that alone. Okay, then when you get to John, and I I will make this point yet again, John writes long after Mark. John is likely the last book penned. As far as I'm concerned, I think the evidence is pretty strong that John is is he's certainly the last gospel penned and quite likely, quite possibly the last gospel penned or the last book penned of the New Testament. John goes deeper. It's from John that we get the famous I thirst, one of the seven statements of Christ on the cross. Let me read for you John 19, 28. After this, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. John goes to extra lengths to do what no other gospel has done, to actually show Jesus drinking the sour wine. He says it's so the scripture can be fulfilled, and of course it's Psalm 22, and and you and I have worked Psalm 22 up one side and down the other, and if you need a fresh sermon on it, we just posted one a few weeks ago called The Shepherd Within the Psalm. I've probably preached it under five or six different titles over the years, but one of the verses that this is probably leaning back into is Psalm twenty-two, fifteen. My strength is dried up like a posture. My tongue clings to my jaws. Uh, we know that this is Jesus suffering and desiring something to drink on the cross, but until John, we don't have him actually swallowing 
the sour wine. Why is it that on his way to the cross, Jesus is offered wine and rejects it, but then on the cross accepts it? And I believe that it has to do with the fact that both Mark and Matthew go to equally great pains. If John goes to great pains to have Jesus actually swallow the wine on the cross, Mark and Matthew go to great pains to insert that the wine he's offered with on the way to the cross is mixed with myrrh. And myrrh has medicinal properties. Myrrh was used to deaden pain in the dying. And some hospitable soldier offers Jesus some wine mixed with myrrh, and when Jesus tastes that it has myrrh, he won't drink it. Spits it out. And I believe it is so that Jesus can step into death fully aware of what's going on, not taking any relief from the pain of death, and so that he can step into death in its complete horror without the numbing agent so that when death is at its worst for us, whatever that is, Jesus can suffer in like manner with no relief. And then on the cross, they offer him a sour wine. Jesus then takes it once they remove the myrrh. And that could be that Jesus takes into him the sour wine in response to a very famous passage from both Isaiah and Ezekiel, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah and Ezekiel from the Old Testament that talks about a a parable that Israel had lived by, which was that the fathers eat sour grapes or drink sour wine and their children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, your children suffer for what you do. And in the Old Testament, God says the time is coming when you shall never say this again. Jesus, by taking the sour wine, takes into himself the justice exacted against sin so that the children's teeth will never be set on edge. So, in a way, a couple of things happen. Jesus rejects the myrrh. He rejects the medicine that would have made death slightly more bearable. He rejects it so that he can embrace the fullness of that pain on our behalf. And then he takes into himself the sour wine, sort of metaphorically, he takes the brunt of everything so that we don't have to. This is a Christ is there on my behalf moment. The drinking of this mixed or mixed with myrrh won't do it so that he can receive the sour wine. And we'll get to the sour wine in verse 36, but we basically took care of that in advance, covering verse 23. Tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to talk about the division of the garments and the timing of the crucifixion. We'll see you then. God bless.